If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. Well, I want to share a few thoughts with you from God's Word, but before I do that, we have a young man here who's going to share the Christmas story with us. So I'm going to ask Noah Blackrick if he would come. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus made a law. It required that a list be made of everyone in the whole Roman world. It was the first time a list was made of people while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone went to to their own town to be listed. So Joseph went also. He went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. That is where Bethlehem, the town of David, was. Joseph went there because he belonged to the family line of David. He went there with Mary to be listed. He was engaged to him. She was engaged to him. She was expecting a baby. While Joseph and Mary were there, the time came for a child to be born. She gave birth to her first baby. It was a boy. She wrapped him in large strips of cloth. Then she placed him in a manger. That's because there were no guest room where they could stay. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. It was night, and they were taking care of their sheep. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. It will bring great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Here is how you will know I am telling you the truth. You'll find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and, and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a large group of angels from heaven also appeared. They were praising God, they said. May glory be given to the God in the highest heavens, and may peace be given to those he is pleased with on earth. The angels left and went into heaven. Then the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby. The baby was lying in a manger. After the shepherds had seen him, they told everyone. They they reported what the angel had said about this child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary kept all these things in her heart like a secret treasure. She thought about them over and over. The shepherds returned. They gave glory and praise to God. Everything they had seen and heard was just as they had been told. Great job. Amen. Great job. Thank you for sharing that today. And that sets the tone for what I want to share with you from the scriptures from Luke chapter 2, as Noah read. And uh, the title of what I want to share this morning is this, Why God's Son Was Laid in a Manger. Why God's Son Was Laid in a Manger. The birth of Jesus is a time surrounded, of course, by many miracles. There are angelic appearances, a virgin conception, split-second timing as to the precise moment of his birth. You can see the hand of God visible 
in every aspect of his birth. But I never cease to be amazed by that statement in verse 7 that Noah read. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. The thought that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of the universe would be born in a feeding trough boggles the mind, doesn't it? It's beyond our comprehension. Not a bad place to feed animals, but seemingly not a suitable place for the Lord of the universe to enter the world, to be placed. But as I think about this fact that the Son of God was laid in a manger, I think of some pretty important reasons, some pretty compelling reasons why this was the case. And so this morning for a few minutes, I want to share some reasons why God's Son, the creator of the universe, the Son of the Most High God, was laid in a manger when he came to earth. I think the first reason he was laid in a manger was as a result of his alienation from human hearts. Verse 7 says they were in this stable because there was no room for them in the inn. Isn't it sad that when the Lord of the universe came to earth to save sinners, there was a no vacancy sign? No room. No room. Go somewhere else. Well, things haven't changed much in 2,000 years, have they? We live in a culture and a society and a day and age in which, not in so many words, uh, the predominant, in many cases, uh, message of our culture to Almighty God and to His Son, Jesus Christ, is sorry, I have no room for you. No room for your religion, no room for your faith, no room for your Jesus. You know it. I know it. We deal with people every day uh, who uh, reject Christ. And if, if you don't believe that, go to, uh, as I've said a number of times, go online and read some of the hot-button moral issues of the day and uh, that intersect with uh, the, the, the values of the Bible and read the comments following such an article and you'll see the hostility to faith, to the things of God. Our society says we're fine just on our own. No, thank you. There's still no room for Jesus in society, in schools, in many homes, and in many lives, and sadly, even in some churches. I saw a video. My, my, my wife had, uh, on, uh, or had come across a video, and I just got a glimpse of it, of a church, a well-known church. I won't, I won't say the name of the church. Of their Christmas celebration last year. And it was a display of dancing and Santa Claus and holiday music that had nothing to do with Jesus. Now listen, I'm not, I'm not a prude, okay? Uh, I, I don't go preaching sermons against Santa Claus. We taught our kids the difference between fantasy and reality. 
and so reference to Santa Claus didn't shake them, okay? So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not on a crusade in that way. But I still think the message of the church should be not about Santa and dancing and, and, and secular celebrations of Christmas. I still think the church should present the gospel of Jesus Christ in its Christmas celebration. Call me old-fashioned. Alienation from human hearts. The question you and I need to answer for ourselves today is this. Have we made room for Jesus in our hearts? Now you say, Pastor Tim, you're preaching to the choir because we're here in church on Christmas Eve. Well, God bless you. I'm glad you're here. But I also want to say, as I say every Christmas, those of you who've been here for years know, I say, in the rest of your Christmas celebration today, tomorrow, this week, whenever, make room for Jesus room for Jesus in the midst of all your family traditions and I love traditions and I, I, I love every part of Christmas don't misunderstand me but we need to make room for Jesus he is the reason for it all amen I believe that his being laid in a manger at his birth was a, a result of his alienation from the hearts of people let's not let him be alienated as uh, Curtis said, let's, let's shepherd people, guide people into the truth that a Savior was born, that Jesus Christ came to live in men's hearts. Amen. Amen. I believe the second uh, reason God's Son was laid in a manger was as a symbol of his association with men's weaknesses. When Jesus was laid in a manger, he identified with those he came to save. I want to suggest to you three areas of uh, men's lives that Jesus came to identify with. First of all, man's poverty. Man's poverty, not only financial poverty, but poverty of spirit. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Let me tell you, when we have Christ... We are indeed blessed. We're indeed wealthy. We have everything we need. Amen? And it's hard in our, uh, our, our wealthy society to imagine what it's like for people who have very little. But do you know there are people in parts of the world today, you know this, who won't have a Christmas tree. And if they do, they certainly won't have presents uh, around it and beneath it and as far as the eye can see. They might be lucky to have one gift, if that many. But yet so many of them have the joy of the season because they have Christ in their hearts. And you can have the greatest Christmas, the most gifts, the biggest ticket items to give as gifts and be poor in spirit without Christ. He came to identify with our poverty. Secondly, he came to identify with our problems. He knows our struggles. Isaiah 53 says that he came to bear our sorrows. Isn't it wonderful to know that it's true, not only at Christmas, but every day of the year, that when we go through a struggle, Jesus understands? That's why he came. So that we know that the Son of God understands our struggles. Pain 
You, do you have pain? The older I get, the more I, I have pains. I didn't know I had places. How many? You don't have to raise your hand. But he experienced pain. Have you been betrayed? He experienced betrayal. Have you been mistreated? He was beaten and bruised, though he was sinless. He identifies with our problems, our struggles. Thirdly, he identifies with our priorities. He detested worldly pomp and riches. He came to teach us that there's a higher priority in life. He said in Luke 16, 15, what is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. He came uh, to share heaven's priorities with us. And so God's son was laid in a manger, secondly, uh, to, uh, as a symbol of his uh, identifying with our weaknesses. What's the third reason God's son was laid in a manger? Uh, I believe it was as a sign of his accessibility to all people. Imagine for a moment Jesus had been born in Herod's palace amid all the riches and finery of that place. Imagine he had for a bed a golden crib. Imagine him having enjoyed a life of abundance and plenty. Imagine him being separated from the common man by the walls and guards of a king's palace. If that were the case, would you feel free to come to Jesus? Would you feel free to approach him, this one who was born into royalty, earthly royalty, lived in a king's palace, never knew want? I don't think you would. But he was born in a manger, a feeding trough. He made himself accessible uh, to those who would come to him. Luke 2, as Noah read, records the visit of the shepherds. Can I tell you? Being a shepherd was not the most sanitary of jobs. Can you imagine? Tending with sheep, tending sheep, and, and, and these men, let's face it, they probably didn't smell too good. I've never been around sheep in the rainy season, but I can imagine they don't smell too good. Okay? They were probably dirty. Yet, they came to the manger. They came to worship Jesus Christ. I'm certain that one of the reasons he was not born into a king's palace but was born into a manger was so that he would be available to all who would desire to come to him. The Bible says whosoever will may come. Thank God that we can find all we will ever need in Jesus. His being laid in a manger was a sign of his accessibility. If you're here today, if you're watching online and you haven't asked Jesus Christ into your heart, you can do so at any moment. You don't, some people say, well, I have, I have so many messed up things in my life before I come to Jesus. You come to Jesus as you are. He'll take care of the messed up things in your life. How many know what I'm talking about today? You don't have to clean yourself up. You come to him and he'll clean you up. You don't have to fix what's wrong in your life. You come to him, he'll fix what's wrong in your life. Come to him as you are. He's accessible. You can reach him. Aren't you glad? 
Aren't you glad we serve a Savior that has come to be accessible to us? That we can uh, come to him any and all times. For God so loved the world, John 3, 16 says, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. Whosoever, that includes you and me. There was an old gospel song that said, whosoever surely means me. I'm glad I'm part of that whosoever. If you're here today watching online, listen, I take nothing as I say for granted. If you're here and you've not received the Christ of Christmas, you've not taken advantage of his accessibility, uh, of his being available to you, I want you to know he is ready and waiting with open arms to receive you, to forgive you of your sin, to wash you in his blood, to make you his child. He's accessible to you today. Fourthly and finally, I believe that God's son was laid in a manger as a divine announcement that a Savior has come. You know, Bethlehem, the town where Jesus was born, a little obscure town, not really noteworthy except for the birth of Jesus. Micah and Micah 5.2 prophesied that uh, the Savior would be born in Bethlehem. But the name of the city, Bethlehem, means house of bread. It was known as the city of David. And Jesus was born in the house of bread. He said in John chapter 6 that he is the bread of life. Why is that significant? Because bread was a, a staple. If, if you had, if you lived in a home and you had the, the barest supply of food, if you had a meager amount of food, what you would have at a minimum would be bread. It was a staple of life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am your eternal source of life. And so his being placed in a manger was an announcement. The star that shone, the angels that proclaimed his birth. This was a big deal. Say, so why, why do you make such a big deal at Christmas? The decorations and the songs and all this... Because it's a big deal. A Savior has come. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Jesus came to die on the cross that we might be forgiven of our sin, that we would be washed in his blood, that we would spend eternity in heaven with him. So this was a divine announcement. A Savior has come. Conclusion this morning, we ask the question, why was God's Son, the God of the universe, laid in a manger, in a feeding trough? It was, we said, first of all, as the result of his alienation from human hearts, because there was no room. Church, let's make it our mission to go into all the dark corners of this world where there's a no vacancy sign, spiritually speaking, where it's said, there's no room for your Jesus. There's no room for your God. Let's go into those dark corners and proclaim that Jesus is the light of the world. Alienation from human hearts, secondly, as a symbol of his association with men's weaknesses. I'm so thankful that he... Uh, is willing to accept me in my weakened state, that he knows my faults. You know, we can come here on Sunday morning and 
put on a smile and raise our hands and sing the songs. And we have this veneer, don't we, of respectability. But the Bible says all have sinned, all fall short. Paul said in Romans 7, we all battle the flesh, right? The sin nature. Can we identify with that? He knows our weaknesses. He identifies with us in our weakness. Thirdly, God's son was placed in a manger as a sign of his accessibility to all people. Doesn't matter who we are. Doesn't matter the color of our skin. Doesn't matter what country we're from. Doesn't matter if we're educated or uneducated. Doesn't matter if we're rich or poor. We all have equal access to the Savior of the world. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. And fourthly, he, God's son was placed in a manger as a divine announcement. A Savior has come. A Savior has come. Let's not fail to shout it out, to declare to a dark and dying world, the light of the world has come. A Savior's come. His name is Jesus.